0: This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive weekday afternoons 3 to 7 on Sports Hub Triad. The question is, are you ready? This is The Drive with Josh Graham walking here. on Sports Hub Triad.
1: You are on a Monday drive. We don't usually talk a lot of high school recruiting around here. But this headline from over the weekend is just too big to ignore. One thing I like about recruiting is that it's honest. It doesn't take a genius to spot the top talent on high school fields and team sites like Demon Deacon Digest or Pack Pride or wherever you go are so good now they can accurately tell you who's interested in these players, where they go, and assemble rankings based on that. And it shouldn't shock anybody that the same teams at the top of those rankings just so happened to be the same teams at the college football playoff each year. So out at Grimsley High in Greensboro on Saturday, five-star D-tackle Travis Shaw, who's going to be a guest on today's show, one of the most highly sought-after players in America, I think according to 24-7, the third highest-ranked player in the country, was making his decision. For a moment, he floated his hand over the hat that had the orange tiger paw on it, then decided he was going to play for Mac Brown in Chapel Hill. This is a massive step forward for the Tar Heel football program. Think about it just in these terms. What I like about high school recruiting, you know who's interested now. It's up to the kid to choose who he's going to play for. And in this instance, a top five player in the country decided he wanted to play for a program that had not Proven it yet, had not proven they can be a playoff contender, but is undoubtedly on the way up rather than playing for a team that's been there for the last six years. It's the first time Mac Brown has beaten Dabo for a kid. Clemson technically offered Tony Grimes, but if you followed that recruitment, he dropped the ball. Dabo did, Clemson did a number of times, and Dre Bly was a hero. Of Grimes' growing up, considering where he grew up in Virginia. North Carolina last year got a commitment from Trenton Simpson, the linebacker who was really good, was a four-star when I when he committed to North Carolina, became a five-star later in the fall. Clemson got interested right before the early signing period. After one visit to Clemson, Trenton Simpson flipped, now a Clemson Tiger. North Carolina lost out in that process. It was just a reminder of where Clemson is and where North Carolina aspires to be. This was a legit seismic win for the Tar Heel football program. The highest rated player in the internet era since Marvin Austin a dozen years ago. That's huge. Let's listen to Mac Brown talking about their approach to recruiting. Mac said in his opening press conference he was going to make North Carolina a priority the state a priority. Reaching out to a ton of high school coaches. Daryl Brown included the head coach of the state championship winning Whirlies from earlier this year. Grimsley winning their first state title, I think, since 1960. I talked to Coach Brown earlier this morning. Daryl Brown, that is. He said that. Mac reached out talking about Travis Shaw the moment he decided he was going to return to Chapel Hill. It was very clear Travis Shaw was a priority for this North Carolina staff. Matt can't talk specifically about players until they sign the dotted line and they sign their national letter of intent after the early signing period begins. So he can't speak specifically about Travis, but he was on a Zoom call with Travis on Saturday, apparently was crying. I want to talk to Travis about that, who's going to join us later on. Matt Brown's going to be with us on tomorrow's show. But this was Mac over the weekend speaking broadly about what's worked in recruiting. He gave the credit to somebody not named Mac Brown. In fact, somebody who's currently on the roster.
2: We, we were doing that when we left here. I'm not sure. I, I thought we would be doing it as quickly this time as as we are. Uh, I thought it would take longer. And I, I do think Sam has helped our progress. If you if you look at, at flipping Sam. That gave the rest of the recruits in the state a reason to come. If Sam Howell will flip from another school that's a, a really good place, then it's okay. North Carolina must be good because he thinks that. And then Drake May commits to a school and he flips. And all of that group says, whoo, this is cool. And then you need some big time guys to make it okay for other ones. And now we're starting to, it, it's starting to be okay to come here.
1: Sam Howell. Flipped from FSU to North Carolina. First big recruiting win for Mac. But at quarterback beyond Sam, when Sam finishes up playing in Chapel Hill, it's likely going to be Drake May, Luke May's younger brother, who once upon a time was committed to Alabama. Another big flip for the Tar Heels. North Carolina's more sustainable now than it was when they were landing Marvin Austin and company, Quentin Coples, Paige Moss, all those defensive linemen under Butch Davis. Obviously, you had the scandal back then that I don't know would be much of a scandal today if it happened, talking about Marvin at Club Live in Miami, considering the NIL rules changing. They've got the quarterback to lead after Sam, whether it be Chris Well or Drake May, who's probably the favorite. Butch, he was sketchy dating back to his Miami days. Mac Brown has a much better reputation, a Hall of Fame coach who has already won a national championship. He did it at Texas. You know they're doing it the right way. And one of the ways you do that, do it the right way, is you prioritize football. That was an issue before at North Carolina, but it's a different time now. Where everybody's acknowledging where money's made in college sports, and that's with football. And if you follow the money, Mac's making a lot more than Hubert Davis is making. When you look at how the contracts shake out. Mac just got an extension. All the assistants, they're getting paid. They're investing in facilities. One of the first things Mac did when he arrived was completely transform the locker room. And the way, the reason he did that, he told the players, if you're going to commit to me, I'm going to commit to you. And the way I'm going to do that is give you guys a new locker room. That's what the players said they wanted in a new lounge. Tar Heel football took a massive step this weekend. 336 777 on Twitter at WSJS Sports. We've got Grimsley High Grad D Bot from Greensboro who's on the line right now. Also, I believe a Tar Heel fan as well. D bot, how you feeling today?
3: I'm feeling great, Joshua Graham. Are you able to hear me okay? I can. Okay, great. I just wanted to make sure I'm on the um, I'm on the road right now, but of course I'm listening. And it, it was a great weekend to be a Tar Heel, Joshua Graham. It was a great weekend to be a Grimsley worldly. It was a great weekend to be from the three three six. And personally, I can't wait for four thirty to to hear Cheesy Trav chop it up with Josh Graham. I'm excited. I am very excited, Joshua Graham.
1: Four thirty, Cheesy Trav. Do we know why he calls himself that?
3: Well, I mean, like Cheesy Trav, like he's he's always cheesing. I think I really don't know. I hope you ask him. I think it's because he's just always smiling. He's really a happy-go-lucky guy until he's on the field and he puts a helmet on. Then it's just like a, a switch is flipped and he becomes the best player in the state. It's amazing to watch. And for Coach Max to get another top recruit, the best,
1: Hold one sec. Hold one sec. Hold one sec, d Hold one second. I feel like you're giving a message to Tar Heel fans. And just because you sound like you know your stuff, I'm going to allow you to do so random stranger D-Bot from Greensboro, you can take it away. Robert, if you have music, that would be great.
3: Oh, well, listen, Well, let me speak to the Tar Heel Nation, if I may. Listen here, guys. The last three seasons, we have had the top recruiting class. Bye-bye, Clemson. The Clemson Tiger run is over, baby. Their legs are cut off. There's no more running for the Clemson Tigers, baby. I was never worried about Georgia. When Big Travis Shaw, a.k.a. Cheesy Trav, a.k.a. travis Decided he was coming to Carolina. Oh, it was a great day to be a Tar Heel. We are locked and loaded, guys, for the next three seasons. We're locked and loaded in basketball and in football. If Listen, the wave of the Tar Heel Nation is one to ride right now. NC State Wolfpack, enjoy the backseat, baby. We suck. football. You super suck. Do football. You are absent. Nobody even knows you exist. And Duke basketball, let me tell you something, Tar Heel Nation, not, baby. Bring the brooms out once again. We are sweeping you once again because every season we sweep y'all because y'all are our little brothers. Woo! Start the table. Start the table. Woo! Thank tar. Here. Tar. Here. Yes, sir. Thank you.
0: Go
1: Thank you, D-bot. Appreciate the Thank call. You.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: There he goes. That's D-Bot out of Greensboro. Really excited about Travis Shaw being added to the recruiting class for Mac Brown next year. That should charge up a lot of Tar Heel fans. Darren Gant's going to join the show in a bit. I don't put a lot of stock into preseason, Robert. I don't really think anybody should. However, I can't help but feel concerned about the Panthers and Ravens game on Saturday. The Ravens routed them 20-3. to The score doesn't concern me. The margin, not even the fact that they lost, but rather the areas they struggled in most are the same weaknesses that plagued them all of last year. And for that reason, I'm concerned. Starting with the defense, third down defense, 31st in the league last year when Baltimore had its starters or its second team going up against Carolina starters and second team. They were six of nine in the first half on third down, 10 of 17 for the game. The second unit, Carolina had issues in the second and fourth quarter when you had to play your second unit a lot more. And that second unit wasn't very good. Carolina forced turnovers with the first. You like to see that. But the second unit was a concern. Joey Sly, holy bleep, missed another short kick. This one, a 37 yarder. Last week, it was a PAT. He was 20th in the sport. Last year, among kickers who attempted at least 20 kicks in accuracy, he hit 80% of his kicks. I've had it with him. And I think Matt Rule's close to having it with him as well. This was Matt talking about Joey Sly and his shortcomings after the game.
2: That's like everything else. I mean, you have to produce. And, and uh, so far, Joey has not produced at the level, you know, we need him to. So um, I think he'd be the first guy to say that. Uh, so, um, you know, we have to find a way to 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 get over that hump with him.
4: Yeah.
1: I'd say so. Maybe bring in Jake Verity when the Ravens cut him. Carolina. Robert, how's the waiver wire work? Carolina probably going to be eighth in line since that's where they drafted. So if none of the top seven teams claim him off waivers. Carolina could just pick him up, because Baltimore is going to cut him,
4: right? Yeah, I mean, they've got a future Hall of Famer and kicker in kicker and Justin Tucker there. Uh, so the first three weeks of the season, the way the waiver wire works is it reflects the draft order. That's correct. And then after that, the fourth week, it will go into the uh, standings list. So whoever has the best record will obviously pick at the end of the round. Uh, whoever has the best will be at the bottom of the waiver. So
1: Joey Sly, that's a concern yet again. And Red zone. Now, I'm going to be fair here. They didn't have a goal line package out there. Very vanilla offensively. You don't want to show much. The starters were out there for one series, but getting stacked up on the goal line, then decided, yep, we've seen enough from the the starters. Ah! Just rubs me the wrong way. In an offseason where Teddy Bridgewater's criticizing your red zone play calling and how much you work on red zone, this is us getting a chance to see it up close and Carolina had Chuba Hubbard stacked up. Yes, Robert?
4: Did you have an issue with that? I saw a lot of people like, why did they run it from second down to fourth down three times in a row? Like with uh, Joe Brady's play call in there. I know people were trying to pick on him about it. That's the thing that bothers me least,
1: but I couldn't help but notice that the three things that ailed Carolina most last year were the three areas that looked pretty bad over the weekend. Joey Sly, third down defense, the second unit, so really it's four things, and red zone goal line. Carolina really bad at that last year. So I just couldn't help but have a bad taste in my mouth when I saw all those issues rear their ugly heads again. Amid the struggles on Saturday, there's a great story with the Panthers that I think is blossoming right now and might even lead to a change on the Panthers' depth chart. We'll discuss that with Hall of Fame voter Darren Gant joining the show. Next.
0: It is insane. Everybody is insane. What's going on in there? You're on the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports.
1: Robert, are we still making Frankie's? Frankie Louvu was the story for the Carolina Panthers on a positive end on Saturday. He forced a turnover, he got into the backfield, undrafted player for the Jets for three years, and Carolina picked him up in the offseason, and he seems to be competing for a starting job right now. Denzel Perryman's been out with an injury, uncertain when he's going to return. He also unvaccinated and made sure to point out that he wasn't going to get the vaccine anytime, uh, anytime soon, which is something that coaches need to take into account when making decisions as well. Perhaps we could get to the Cam Newton piece in a bit. But staying with Frankie Luvu, I can't think of many noteworthy Frankies other than maybe Frankie Valley, which might be the perfect place to start with Darren Gant, who joins us from Carolina Panthers practice right now in Charlotte. Darren, we're still making Frankies?
2: Or at least Frank. I mean, there was Frankie Goes to Hollywood, but that was a long, long time ago. That was before your time, not before mine, but... You know, hey, they're still out there. Could Frankie Louvu really start for this team? No, I mean, Hassan Reddick's going to start in that spot. But what he is is a quality and qualified backup. And, you know, in in the NFL, you can't stack up too many guys who can rush the passer. And, you know, having a guy like Frankie Louvu who's played that position, you know, is more of, you know, what people would probably think of as that classic 3-4 outside linebacker. But somebody who can rush the passer in reserve is always a good thing. And, you know, you, you want as many of those guys as you can. So it, the idea of Hassan Reddick, Brian Burns, Frankie Louvu, you know, Morgan Fox, et cetera, all those guys going down the line, that's what you need. And is Frankie's that... played well. I mean, they like him. I mean, for somebody who sort of walked in the door envisioned to be a special teamer, I mean, he's going to be more of a contributor on defense than they thought.
1: Is that how this Panthers defense is most different from last year's when you consider how much depth there is uh, rushing the passer?
2: Well, that and cornerback. I mean, last year they were starting whoever was walking off the street at corner, and this year they've actually got qualified, capable guys at that position. So, you know, that's the other huge difference in the defense. And and to me, that's been the storyline of this entire preseason. I mean, for all the talk about, you know what Sam Darnold looked like. Sam this, Sam that. <clears throat> the reality is, if they're going to be good, it's going to be because that defense has moved from top fifteen to top ten.
1: Darren Gant with us here from Panthers Camp, joining us from Panthers dot com. Make sure to watch and read his coverage. I enjoyed his write ups on Steve Smith, for example. What Steve says during the broadcast and. He had a lot of fun with Frankie Louville, who we just talked about. He also had some fun talking about Kicker as well. When Jake Verity stepped out there, the former ECU Pirate, he made sure to throw an arg in there. Uh, You asked, Matt, about Joey Sly. We played the answer a short while ago. Do you expect Matt Rule's going to start looking at options at Kicker, maybe bring in some competition for Joey?
2: Uh I don't know. I mean the the idea of competition is something we talk about a lot. Joey's so in between his own ears. I don't know if another dude standing there it increases the pressure on him. I mean, he's just he's a pretty meticulous kicker and what he is is okay. He's not great. He's not outstanding by any stretch of the imagination, but Joey's you know, he's probably between the 20th and 25th best kicker in the league. In terms of accuracy, that's a below-average starter. So, you know, I think when you look at it from that standpoint, it's it could you upgrade? Probably. But it might cost you, and do you really want to spend the money or the currency to do that? I, I think they've got to, you know, I don't want to overstate it. There's some amount of confidence in him that he could get things straightened out because, you know, again, he was, what, uh, 28 of 30, inside 50 last year, and that's really good. So it's an issue they'd like to upgrade if they could, but it's not one of the three or four biggest priorities at the moment.
1: What do you think of the new Sturgill Simpson? Did you get a chance to listen to that?
2: I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet. I've been so busy doing football for the last couple days that I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but I definitely do want to hear it. I've got it downloaded, just had not gotten there yet.
1: What have you been listening to lately?
2: <laughs> Steve Smith calling preseason football games, of course. <laughs> Who doesn't love eighty nine on preseason games? In all seriousness, I mean that has been a hoot and and I think that's been one of the, the big additions for these guys this off season in all seriousness is, you know, you've shot a little life into a preseason broadcast that's not always that interesting. So I I think it's been good and eighty nine's been about what eighty nine anticipated he we were gonna be. So um it, it's been fun, I tell you that, and talking to him in the press box before and after, he's into it. He enjoys this, so that's why I expected it was going to be a uh, an entertaining show.
1: Darren Gamp, always an entertaining show. Next time uh, we chat, I, I expect you to have listened to the new Sturgill Simpson. Maybe we could talk about it then. I've been on Frank Turner, which you told me about this weekend. Yeah, I think Robert even played some of that coming in, so might have to catch them when they travel with the Counting Crows to Greensboro.
2: Yeah, go, go see Frank Turner. You'll feel better about life after you do.
1: Darren, enjoy practice. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, man. There he goes. It's Darren Gant, Panthers.com, joining us. Hall of Fame voter. Always enjoy catching up. Darren, want to get to this Cam Newton story. You don't want to talk about Frankies? Yeah, let's talk about Frankies. That's probably a lot more fun. Actually, this is what I want you to do. Why not just do both at the same time? How about to liven up this story that's kind of a bummer? You just interject some famous Frankies at different points in the conversation here. Do you think you're capable of that? Do you have enough Frankies? I, I have three notable Frankies. <laughs> I, I, to your point, they are not making many Frankies. We're not really making Frankies anymore. We've got Frankie Luvu. And that's
4: pretty much it. The Frankie makes the LuVu part sound cooler, though. Like, if he was Frank LuVu, that sounds like a dude who's working in, like, a, a picket line or something. You know what I mean? Like, I Frankie LuVu sounds like a, a kind of degenerate gambler that I could get behind.
1: I was actually talking with a friend of mine who shall remain unnamed about Frankie LuVu this weekend. And they said to me, which is sounds like the most fun conversation, by the way, just chopping it up, talking Frankie LuVu. He said to me, I'm like, you have to check out some of the highlights. So he watches some of the video and he goes, hold up, Frankie Luvu, is it white? <laughs> no, Frankie Luvu is not. All right, just throw the famous Frankies at me.
4: Uh, Frankie Munez is at the top. You already named Frankie Valley, so I, I, I didn't want to...
1: Frankie Munez is a really good one that I did not
4: think of. Well, good, because there are not many more good ones. I'm glad you enjoyed that one. <laughs> when you think Frankie
1: Munez, do you go immediately to Malcolm in the Middle? I do, yes. Uh, For maybe- me, it's a Big Fat
4: Liar that's just because two-way. I'm a Giamatti guy. And and he kills that, too. Amanda Bynes, as a great kid movie. Wait we- a minute. Amanda Bynes is in... Big Fat Liar? Yeah, she's like his uh, his little uh, sidekick, his duo. She, like, helps him dye the pool and... Did not know that. Right? Right?
1: Okay, who's the last of the famous Frankies, or give me a few more.
4: I, I've got two more. Uh, Frankie Jonas... Which is Who? the uh, yeah, exactly? He's the only Jonas brother not included in the Jonas brother b- band. <laughs> He's a singer. They just didn't include him in the That's family. Unbelievable! Band. You couldn't just be a manager
1: or something. Why did traveling d- with the team? Yeah, the fourth brother
4: uh, couldn't tag in when like Nick is sick or something. Let Frankie. Handle what do it. parents
1: say when? Hey, who are your three favorite children? (laughs) It would be
4: easier to tell you which kid I don't like. It's that damn (laughs) Frankie.
1: It's almost like I ran into this family when I lived in Texas. I was selling books door to door. I've told that story before. I ran into a family with two kids, Robert, and they named the first kid Christ. The second kid,
4: Eddie. Uh,
1: Yeah! Eddie! (laughs) (laughs) So... He's got to
4: live up to it.
1: You need to meet our kids. Here's Christ, spelled C-H-R-Y-S-T. Oh, no. And here's the
4: younger child, Eddie. Uh, and Eddie, whatever. <laughs> uh, I, I had one more. I feel like Frankies <laughs> are always the sidekicks. They're never in the limelight, so good for Frankie Louvoo. Uh Frankie Grande is Ariana Grande's brother He's been on Big Brother. He's been on a lot of shows like that. But every time Ariana Grande has owned like a music award or like a red carpet or something, he's always there with Joan, their mom, and he is just like happy to be along for the ride. Like, oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm Ariana Grande's brother, Frankie. Uh, Okay,
1: I can't think of any other Frankies. We need to make more Frankies. It appears Robbie Anderson is going to get a new deal before DJ Moore. We're just going to overlook that Cam Newton story, by the way. (laughs) I think we're just going to bury that. Next segment, we'll get to some wrestling, too. I'll let Robert nerd out about that. Did you watch any of the wrestling? Oh, man, I watched.
4: It was a great weekend to be a wrestling fan.
1: Okay, so Robert, we'll get into that. I'll tell you why you shouldn't be surprised that Robbie got a contract before DJ. Next on the drive
5: called the Chamber of Joey Pale Bodies and they said you're their president.
0: You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports.
1: You might have missed this on Friday, but according to Joe Person from The Athletic, the Panthers are close to signing Robbie Anderson to a multi-year contract extension. Which means, in all likelihood, DJ Moore is going to have to wait until next year to hammer something out. And this makes sense to me. I'm not saying Robbie Anderson's better than DJ Moore, who I believe is a top 10 receiver in the league, but the most obvious reason this makes sense is because they still have three more years of control of DJ's contract while Robbie is going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. Robbie's not the type of guy you'd want to tag with the franchise tag either especially if you're able to get something done now. But think about it in DJ's sense. It's the last year of his rookie deal. Then you got the fifth-year option that kicks in that's only available to first-round picks. And then you could franchise tag him if you need to. So you have control of DJ for three more years when you don't right now for Robbie Anderson. And I think Robbie is going to be more willing To give you a team friendly contract, he had a career year. He wasn't a first round pick. He was undersold, underappreciated, both in New York and also with Temple. And he's got built in relationships with this staff and this quarterback. He was together with Sam with the Jets. He played under Matt Rule. And what's crazy about it, Robert, I think we talked about it before. Robbie had issues when he was in college. Two or three different times, there were people in the university and in the athletic department that wanted Robbie Anderson to be kicked off the team, and Rule never gave up on him. In fact, when he recruited him out of Florida to go to Temple, he encouraged him to switch positions from defensive back to wide receiver. So it's not an overstatement to say Matt Rule saved Robbie's career. One of the most influential people in Robbie's life, at least from a football perspective. So I suspect, especially considering how well last year went from a production standpoint and how Panther fans really put their arms around Robbie, even as we had to stay quite a bit apart because of the pandemic, those are all reasons why this deal gets done sooner and makes sense. I also think DJ Moore probably doesn't want to sign right now, as crazy as that sounds. I started thinking more about the Miles Bridges situation, Robert. And what I keep defaulting to is, would Miles Bridges get the max right now if the Hornets wanted to give him the rookie elevator? Like, Would he get the same max that Luka and Trey Young are up for? Most guys who get it early do get the max, but if the Hornets were offering anything less than that, it might be in Miles' best interest to have a great season and get the max next year. DJ Moore might be thinking in those terms. The numbers back up him being a top 10 wide receiver, but if he's not getting what he views to be top 10 receiver money, have yourself a great year, and then next year you'll be in that conversation for sure. If you do it three straight seasons, produce like a top 10 receiver would, that's going to get noticed. And also let's not forget about the television aspect of this. When the new TV deal kicks in, the salary cap's going to go up, and you could probably make more that way anyway. So this all makes sense when you look at it from financial terms, where they're at in their careers, Robbie versus DJ. Robbie has seen what dysfunctional looks like. He has been underappreciated in a way that DJ has never been as a top-flight recruit than a first-round draft pick out of Maryland. It makes sense that Robbie's going to get his deal done before DJ. That's something that's likely going to be announced in the next few days, according, again, to our friend Joe Person. Graham's Grades is in about 10 minutes. 336-777-1600 if you want to play along. We're on Twitter, at WSJS Sports. Robert, I'll allow you to give the first grade of the week. You are a huge wrestling aficionado. You used to be a wrestling official. Do they call them officials or is it just referees?
4: Uh, Official, referee. It's kind of interchangeable with that. Okay. So this weekend was a big
1: weekend in professional wrestling. How much am I going to get right here? CM Punk returns, NXT takeover. This is me all going off the top of my head and reading my Twitter feed. And then it was SummerSlam on Saturday. Charlotte Flair had a big match, I think.
4: Somebody named Bianca was involved in it. Do I have that much right? Uh, You were right until the very end. She wasn't involved with Charlotte's match, but she was involved with SummerSlam. And you're right, it it all kicked off Friday on AEW. Uh, CM Punk was a really polarizing figure in professional wrestling when he left the WWE, and ever since he's left, if they if there's a show in Chicago, without a doubt, the crowd is going to chant CM Punk. Much yeah. to the chagrin of any wrestler that's performing in front of them, they're still going to chant for him. How long has he been out of it? Because I
1: saw grown dudes crying on their phones when he showed up on Friday.
4: I think it was 2016. So, just about five years ago, actually, in August. So, just a little over five years.
1: How uh, would you grade this weekend in wrestling? You get the first grade to hand out today.
4: I think it's a solid B. Uh, it would be an A. WWE had to do some Home Hold on one sec. We're, we're contractually
1: uh, obligated to have the voice tell us what the grade is, even after we say it. B. That guy is paid by the letter.
4: I know. I know he got a lot of kids. I don't want to like, take for Stickler off his plate. of a
1: contract. Uh, Our guy, Bob, has 16
4: kids. It's unbelievable. But He's great. Like I said, it's a B. B. Um, like Tubby Smith's family. Like, <laughs> large family. Uh, WWE had to do a little shifting around. Uh, Sasha Banks was unable to wrestle on Saturday. Uh, people are speculating that's due to maybe she got Corona because she has been pretty staunch in her siding with not getting the uh, vaccine. Uh, so in her place, they brought back Becky Lynch, who, uh, if you'll remember, was in the first female main event at WrestleMania against Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair. Uh, she came out, beat Bianca, who was like, after WrestleMania last year, was the darling of ESPN and all, all of these publications when she became uh, the women's champion. Uh, and Becky beat her in less than a minute. And that was not very good for wrestling fans. They weren't very happy about that. I did see see
1: people were ticked off that they kind of botched that match.
4: Well, I mean, it's not so much a botch that... It's
1: short. It could have been longer. It could
4: have been longer, but there's a way to tell that story, right? Like, Bianca was preparing for Sasha Banks. They had gone through all of these trials and tribulations for her to get a title shot, or for Sasha to get a shot against her. So she really prepared for Sasha... And then to be thrust into this other situation where she's facing possibly one of the best women wrestlers on the planet, I could see where her uh, being intense in this moment could blind her and cause her to be beaten really quickly. Uh, WrestleMania was a WrestleMania SummerSlam was a lot of fun, um, and I really enjoyed the main event. We got to see uh, Bobby Lashley Goldberg. That was crazy. Goldberg got hurt in the middle of the match, so they kind of had to stop it. That Goldberg a-
1: has a great theme, by the way. Dun,
4: when I think dun. theme music, that guy is awesome. Doesn't I- he roll up in a motorcycle sometimes? Nah, that was The Undertaker. I mean, he might have sometimes. He doesn't do it anymore, though. My favorite part was Goldberg's kid got absolutely thrashed by Bob. Who Bobby- does? You gotta play the game. That's that's Okay, Triple H. Triple H did ride a motorcycle during his that uh Theme music era. But wrestling was good. And then Sunday, NXT, my best friend won the million dollar title. I was super happy about that. uh He'd worked really hard for that, and it was cool to watch him on that stage. But that re- is really cool. But wrestling in general this weekend, very good. Enjoyed, let's say, 95% of it. I'd give it a, a solid B.
1: That's a solid B. And just so we keep that family of 16 or 17 well fed, let's make sure we get all the letters appropriated in here. B. Yeah, got to get that in here. Do we have to talk about this Cam story? I think we do. Just because Cam's going to be missing the next five days. It doesn't seem like he's vaccinated. He won't answer the question. He's wearing masks outdoors, outdoors, which follows league policy that they have. But Cam Newton, he's going to remain away from the team until Thursday. And we're about a week and a half away From the start of the season, I feel like this is something we got to talk about because Cam Newton obviously should be the starting quarterback of the Patriots.
4: You didn't think it was going to be that easy, did you? You think we're going to go back to Cam Newton? Scam Newton? Did Carolina do him wrong? Did he jump on the fumble? Nobody cares! (laughs) Uh, I guess we're never going to talk about this story. Sorry, that was my fault. I couldn't resist.
1: No, we'll just move on.
4: Can I at least have the Hulkster movie uh,
1: music on the way out?
4: Yeah, yeah, I can do that.
1: All right, thanks. Robert, we've got Graham's Grades coming up. Help me tease it.
4: Oh, yeah. Next on Graham's Grades, somebody's going to pass and somebody's going to get their ass
0: whipped.
3: Wise to be funny.
0: Obnoxious. It really is obnoxious. You're on the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports.
1: Brian Geisinger now with us. I'll try to outprecise the Geiss in a bit. We'll talk hoops in a moment. But here in the triad, Tar Heel fans, a buzz. The recruiting fanatics a buzz as we followed at Grimsley High School, the number three player in the country according to 24-7, deciding he was going to be a Tar Heel over being a Clemson Tiger, and North Carolina A&T was a part of Travis Shaw's big three as well. BG, how big of a deal are you willing to say North Carolina securing a five-star player who is one of the five best players in the country is... We'll get to that in a second. I think I heard the dial tone from BG there. One of those deals. BG, he could be a bit of a diva sometimes. Anytime I ask him about something that's not basketball related, just going to hang up the phone. Tisk, tisk. One of those Mondays. Now we get to. Our friend Brian Geisiger who you can follow on Twitter at BGES underscore bird. I doubt you heard the question I was asking before the, the line dropped, but how big of a deal are you willing to say North Carolina getting Travis Shaw is?
5: I think it's a pretty big deal, man. Um, top five, top ten prospect in the class. You ble- you beat out Clemson in and, and Georgia. It um, no, I, I think it's I think it's a pretty significant deal. Um, and it does feel like you know UNC has been trending in this in this direction for for a couple of years now. Uh, you know, Max has been there for almost three years now. I guess it'll be three years in three full years in November or December this year, and they've just been inching closer, stringing up some of these recruiting classes together. You bring in Tony Grimes last season, and yeah, just a lot. This is sort of like the logical progression, but you know, we'll see how it all melds on the field together. But uh, but yeah, no. This is obviously a, a really big get for for UNC, especially as it comes landing that type of prospect that have also happens to be an in-state recruit. It's like a yeah, it's just like a, a double win for the program.
1: He won't be able to talk about um, Shaw specifically, but Mac Brown will be with us at this time tomorrow to talk about uh, generally the approach to recruiting because when you look at just from the Triad alone and I'll even limit it to just the defensive side of the ball, North Carolina, Miles uh, Murphy is from Dudley and Greensboro, Javari Ritzy and uh, Ray-Ray Dilworth, they both went to Glenn High School. You've got a lot of local kids that are playing for North Carolina, and BG in the past, these were kids that were exclusively going to Clemson. I know I've seen this movie before where NC State got some big-time recruits and competed in 2017, and North Carolina got a few guys when Larry Fedora first arrived, and they nearly knocked off Clemson in the ACC title game in '15. But does this at all feel different to you? What Mac is building?
5: I think so. At least, it, you know, in the in the not too distant uh, past, yeah, it does feel different. I mean, you could probably bring, bring on someone that has you know sort of uh, you know has been around the ACC for several decades. Um, that could maybe even, you know, bring on slightly greater perspective with this. But no, I, I think it does feel a little different to me um, simply because of just how quickly it happened. It, it really does goes to show you, like, you hit a home run on how, like at the most important position like that, and it was just like a supercharger for everything else. Um, and and I, I wonder if getting a guy like that and sort of raised the ceiling very, very quickly, if you knew bringing in a guy like Mac would... Would raise, the, would raise the floor on the program in a bunch of different ways. But I do kind of wonder that first recruiting class, flipping Hal from Florida State to FSU, and then just, you know, after that, the game was afoot. And so because of that, I think this does feel a little bit different. But I don't know. We can't, we can't know for sure until there are some actual tangible results, like, you know, UNC winning more than, you know, seven or eight games in a season, right? Like, it, it, it still has to take place on the field.
1: Brian Geisker on Twitter at bguys underscore bird. Read his stuff, accsports.com. We go to him for his basketball uh, analysis, and we haven't had a chance to have you on to talk about Terry Rozier's contract extension. I think it's been made official, which is why I get a text in the last 30 minutes that maybe James Borrego is going to be with us on tomorrow's show to talk about things, since obviously we got the swarm relationship here. But uh, did you have any issue with the Hornets extending Rosier the way they
4: did?
5: You know, it's not—it's probably not how I would have played it. As someone from, that's from the outside looking in, that that follows the team and covers the team, um, you know, I think there's the chance that Terry has real sort of like intrinsic value inside of that locker room from a personality standpoint. You want to take care of your own players. Terry's been a very good offensive player the last couple of seasons, so like. The, the man deserved to get paid, and in in, in in his team took care of His team took care of him. So, like on that end, I I kind of like it. But there's this thing with Rozier, where like you know he's a six foot one shooting guard. Um, he's not really a great playmaker for others. He doesn't really get to the rim. He makes a lot of mistakes defensively. So like he's not exactly like a complete two way player. And now that you just signed him to this four year extension worth $97 million, which was the extent of, of, of how long and how much money they could extend them for. You know, how Rozier in Charlotte under contract for the next five years at $115 million. Like you're just paying him at a rate of someone that is like a top 50 player in the world. And I don't think Terry Rozier is that necessarily. I don't quite love how he compliments LaMelo. Although I don't, I don't think that that fit is necessarily like bad or anything like that, but Terry's turned into a really, really good shooter. James Borrego is one of the more creative offensive minds in the league, has a great playbook that gets the best out of Terry Rozier. Um, so there is that, and this team is continuing to vest around uh, LaMelo Ball. I just thought Rozier on an expiring contract going into the season is sort of like another prove-it year, plus maybe you could have used his contract as a as a trade chip at the deadline. I just thought that would have been a little bit more um, – Maybe frugal, um, in a way to sort of like play things out to try to like extract the most value out of everything. Um, and you also just drafted James Booknight, who you would think would be the, the future two guard of this roster, uh, with a lottery pick like three weeks ago. And now you've just committed, you know, uh, close to $115 million for a guy that theoretically like is, uh, is in Booknight's pathway to be, being a starter on this team. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I, I think there are pros and
1: cons to it, but uh, you know,
5: I, I think it's just it's just one other way that they're trying to build around uh, a, a, you know Lamelo Ball.
1: Really quickly, interested in what you think it means for Miles Bridges. I would have thought that Bridges gets taken care of before uh, uh, Terry does, but then you start thinking: Did the Hornets offer the max that is available to them or available to Miles? Uh, with it being two years left until his contract expires. Uh, Miles Bridges, is he somebody that you'd feel comfortable giving that rookie elevator to right now? Maybe is there some clutch element to this as well where Miles is a clutch client and there's obviously a lot of, you know, a a lot of eh, insecurity that I think some teams have with maybe how Rich Paul likes to manipulate things a little bit or at least that's how it seems. What, what do you make of the Miles Bridges piece?
5: Yeah, I mean clutch uh, they get money for their clients. Like that's it. They're not they're not here to take discounts unless it's uh <laughs> unless they're trying to fill out the roster on a team that LeBron plays for. Uh other than that, no. everyone everyone's getting paid and getting paid top dollar. Um, look Bridges had a really nice start season in the NBA last year. Most of that coming off the bench, just being sort of like a, an energy type guy, play finisher. But the last two months of the season, he really made big strides, shooting the basketball, playmaking, making plays for others. And I love his talent. I, I do sort of wonder if um, if next season is going to be like. Assuming, and by the way, they have until the first day of the season this year to get an extension done with bridges If they don't get it done before the season started. Then they'll become a restricted free agent next off season. So they still have a couple more weeks, um, but I could see both sides being sort of interested in this year being kind of like another prove it year for bridges. Like the Hornets saying, look, we'll pay you. you give us that type of effort again that you did for the last two months of the season. You do that for a full year, buddy, we'll pay you whatever. Like we'll, we'll gladly, you know, pay you whatever. And for a team like Clutch, that might be happy to see, you know, Bridges put up big stats, big counting stats, big scoring stats, playing next to Lamelo on one of these fast-paced teams in the NBA. That it would maybe help them out from a leverage standpoint going into restricted free agency too. So, I mean, I'm kind of hoping an extension gets done, but it would not be surprised. It would not surprise me to see this go into the season uh, as both sort of both parties are looking to like gain more information heading into an eventual negotiation
0: in some way, shape, or form.
1: Brian Geisinger is here with us, so let's play Out Precise the guys.
0: Geis. Brian Geisinger is a basketball genius. Josh Graham, uh, is not. I'm smart, you're dumb. I'm big, you're little. I'm right, you're wrong. Listen as Brian launches half-court shots and Josh, well, double dribbles all over himself. And there's nothing you can do about it. Get off the bench and try to Out right, Precise the guys.
4: All right, Out Precise the guys today. We are having a birthday celebration. Well, at least if your birthday is today, we are having a celebration for you. So let's start with the Hornets' very own P.J. P.J. Washington. Happy birthday to P.J. And he was thrust uh, into the game. He's been a super competitive player and super, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, He's averaged about 12 points a game for the last two years. And he's not quite the dunker that Miles Bridges is, but he is a good dunker how many dunks did he have last year <sighs> Ooh, yeah so he had a 70 game season PJ played a lot of
5: center for Charlotte last year too gotta remember that um, he's a good not great finisher in the paint though Just something to probably consider um, I will say I'll say 50 dunks for PJ this
4: past season I've got 80. B.J. had 48. It's 11 oh. less than last All year. All
0: right. Let's, oh. Go. Oh. let's go. Let's <laughs> BG's go. B.J.'s
1: good at this, man. <laughs> He's unbelievable at this. What's the next yep. one?
4: Somebody else, Josh, you might be able to relate to this guy. He's always chasing after his big brother, Seth Curry, the lesser Curry brother, but not statistically last year, at least on three-point percentage. How much higher was Seth's three-point percentage than Steph's? Yeah, I think I read yeah, what Seth's to...
1: percentage was. I think I, I, I think I read this, but I don't know what Seth's was.
4: So, how much more like actual percentage points? Yeah, just give me a percentage like six percent, twelve percent, fifty percent better, whatever. I got you. Yeah, I'll I'll go. Uh, I'll say two uh, percent. My favorite kind of milk. What you got, Josh?
1: <sighs> I think Seth had something yeah. stupid like forty-five or forty-seven percent three-point percentage, so if Steph's at 40, I I had seven written down, but that sounds like a lot.
4: Uh, Seth was at 45%. He was the seventh best three-point shooter. Steph was at 42.1. That is 3.1. Let's
3: Big di- go. A little bit of difference there. Let's go. That's, actually,
4: yeah. it's 2.9. My math is off, but either way, guys is a little closer than Josh is. <laughs> a little <laughs> Yeah. A little. I mean not too much. Yeah. Not, not not a not a, a braggadocious amount more. See, I knew
1: what I knew what Seth's three point percentage was. That's that's not a win. That's but gotta it's... count
4: for something, right? Just not in this game. uh uh-huh. Finally, happy birthday to Kobe. Kobe would have turned forty three today. How many forty point games did Kobe have in his career? Oh boy. Whoo. Oh, and
5: uh, by the way, keep in mind yesterday was uh, LaMelo Ball's birthday. He's oh. 20 years old uh, you know, superstar in the making for the Hornets. Uh who, 40-point games for Kobe? Uh, I'll say 200.
4: <laughs> yeah. I've got I've got like 189 written down. 189. Kobe had 134 40-point games in his career. Ah.
1: Okay, I thought uh, for a second, if it was over 200 and I lost, like I didn't go high enough, <laughs> I thought I was going to get embarrassed for going way too high. <laughs> so, BG <laughs> loves it. He, he well, loves me squirming yeah. here.
5: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like the wins, man. You know, I'm all about the W, and uh, I'm just happy here to be collecting. I'm, I'm actually talking basketball in August. And I'm happy to be getting wins. That's that's why I'm pleased in that regard. Eventually,
4: oh. this is going to go to like an ACC out, precise the guys, and I don't know if that's better for Josh or worse for Josh. Oh, it's
1: better. I I have I go to these games as BG does, so I I would hope it's better. I would really hope. I, I don't go to the NBA games unfortunately you wait
4: till i'm breaking out boston college pick and roll stats oh, and please like- do
1: <laughs> please do go ahead and make my day if you want to talk about bc basketball bg will break down yep, bc basketball some- already that's
5: right we're going to get some mckay ashton langford conversation going on on the show it'll be uh it'll be a good time for everyone
1: bg thanks for doing this yep be good guys There he goes, it's Brian Geisiger, bgeis underscore bird on Twitter.
4: (sighs) Just another week where I get beaten. It's ridiculous because I come up with these and and now I'm like trying to stump Geis. I'm like, where could I trip him up at? And as soon as I was like, he said 50 on the 48 dunk, I was like, I know he's guessing, but why is he so good at guessing?